Hey, this is Molly Rennick from Living Dead Girl, and you're listening to the Brutally Delicious Podcast. And Exorcism, I guess, is the new record, and it's due out in June. Are you guys still working on it, or is it complete and submitted? Oh, it's been finished for a while. We were planning on releasing it last fall, but that's like... That was like at the beginning, more so of the whole worldwide situation. So we weren't really sure what to do with it for a while. So like we were planning on like pitching it to labels and stuff, but like it just the original plan was not happening with the world situation. So we basically just like restarted the plan on how we were going to self-release it and everything. But it's been done for a while. Okay, so what's it like trying to release a record in this climate that we're in? It's really difficult. I'm not going to lie, because since we don't have a label or anything, like I basically do everything myself. So that that gets both really expensive and really time consuming. But honestly, I'm kind of like a control freak kind of person anyways. Like I'm super OCD about how everything is done. So I kind of like that I have control over everything. I don't like handing things off to other people. I like being in control of stuff. So it's a lot of work, but I'm honestly enjoying it. Okay. So what was the the writing process like for this record? Were you guys able to get all into the same room to write or were you emailing stuff back and forth or how did that work? We actually, we recorded it before the pandemic hit. So this was like before, like we recorded three of the songs in September, 2019. Then I decided, okay, let's do a full length album instead of singles. So then I went back to LA for January, February, 2019. So I literally got home to Canada, like right before everything started. But basically what we did was the first time I went down, it was just myself and the producer, Mitch, writing and recording everything. And then the second time we went down, I also brought John, our guitarist, with us. So we had like another guitarist in the room inputting like in the the creation process. But we don't like write as a whole band. It's usually just me and the producer. Okay. And when you're writing, is there a, a message or a takeaway you want your fans to walk away with after listening to a living dead girl record? Yeah, I try to write every single song based off a personal experience. I don't like to use generic or vague topics. I always want it to be personal to me because I feel like that translates better in the performance. Like if it's something that like I really feel passionately about, like you'll be able to tell that by the way I deliver it. So I always try to write about things that I feel like people will either relate to or it will spark a feeling in them or an emotion. Like I usually try to make it something like, hey, this is what I went through. I'm sure a lot of you did too. So I try to make things that are really like speak to a broad range of people so everyone can take something away from it. So along those same lines, and do you have any good story? This is a two-part question. First, do you have any good stories of how that has connected with somebody? And then how does it make you feel when you've connected with somebody? Yeah, I've had a lot of feedback like that on our recent single, Escape. Basically, <laughs> to put it to put it simply, um, Escape is about wanting to move away from like wherever you are, like not want, not feeling like a sense of belonging and just wanting to get out of it, get out of a situation or a place. Um, and I had a lot of people message me saying like, I love Escape. That's exactly how I feel right now. I, I had some people messaging me saying like, oh, because of the pandemic, like I've been stuck in a city where I don't actually live and I haven't been able to go home yet because of travel restrictions and stuff like that song really struck a nerve with me right now. Like, right. it was pretty cool how many people told me like, oh my God, that song is exactly how I feel. Gotcha. And how does that make you feel when they connect? It's pretty amazing, right? 
yeah, it's pretty powerful, really. It's like, it's pretty cool to think not only did I create something that people listen to and enjoy, and it's like, but it actually sparks like an emotional reaction. Like, that's pretty powerful. Like, as an artist, whether it's your musician or you paint or you write books, like, whatever, like, knowing that something you created played a part in someone's day at, in any way, in any capacity, is pretty cool. <laughs> right. Oh, I 100% agree. And I think now that we're all in this weird situation, music has, or at least in my circles, is the one thing that gets us all through. So we're connecting a whole lot more with each totally. other. Totally. Right? Yeah, for sure. It's it's quite interesting. I mean, I, whether it's escapism or it's a more of a cathartic sort of thing, I think there's definitely, well, at least me, music runs through my veins. So it's, you know, that's what gets me through half of the stuff or all of it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> um, are you guys planning on doing, I know you said you couldn't do the live show, it got canceled. Are you planning on doing any sort of live streaming or any kind of interaction like that? We were actually, since our local show in April is a no-go, we are planning on, we were just spoke to the owner of the venue and said, hey, can we use the venue on a day when you guys are closed anyways? And we're going to hire a camera crew to like film it. So it's like totally professional, like high quality live stream. Um, but I don't know if we'll do it as a live stream or as like an event on our website. We haven't figured out the actual details yet, but we are planning on doing one around the same time as the album release. And we are going to play the entire album front to back. Oh, nice. So in order, like the way it was sequenced? Yeah. That's pretty cool. Because I think there's a whole art that goes into sequencing a record that may be lost oh, totally. people that are, you know, buying singles now or bands that are just releasing singles. Yeah, totally. Like choosing the order of the songs was like a really fun process. Like trying to pick like, it's not even about like which one's best or which one do I want people to hear first. Right. It's kind of just like, it's like which one's beginning and ending like complements each other, like which one flows the nicest. Like once I found it and I listened to it front to back, like for the first time, I was like, yep, this is it. Yeah, it definitely sets a mood. So I'm probably a bit older than you. And I remember, you know, buying a record and listening, you know, dropping the needle on it, and listening to it the way it was meant to be listened to. And it's something I think kids and most people these days are not getting because you don't get that. Not only did you yeah. write the song and it had meaning, but so does the sequence of it. Totally. Like if you just listen to a random shuffle playlist on Spotify or whatever, you're not getting the full effect. Right. I, I totally 100% agree. So let me, I know I'm jumping all over the place, but let me go back to the, the writing process. When you're writing, are you writing songs for how they will come about, come alive on stage? Or are you writing a song just for the song's sake and then figure it out live? I always try to think when I'm in studio, like, okay, remember, you have to do this live. So right. I totally didn't, I didn't consider that thoroughly enough when we recorded Exorcism. I was trying to make the styles and the vocals contrast so much. I was like, I want them as high pitched and feminine and girly sounding as possible. And then I want the screams like so deep and brutal. And like, we can do it. We practice it. Like I can pull it off. But that song specifically took so much practice for me because when you're doing it in the studio you do everything line by line everything separate it's so much easier then when you go to do it live it's like oh my god I didn't leave enough space for me to take a breath like I have to right you just have to kind of like modify sometimes like the delivery of a certain word or like you have to do something just a tiny bit faster just have room to slip in a breath or it's like okay I'm gonna let John the guitarist do the backup vocals here so I have time to take a quick breath like right. there's there's definitely like you have to play around with it a bit to make sure it works. But I definitely try to keep that in mind when we're in studio. I'm like, okay, like don't get too crazy with this like vocal style and everything. Like, remember you have to be able to go between the screaming and the singing really quickly live. So I definitely think about that in the studio. Yeah. Cause I mean, have you ever come across where a song where you couldn't perform it live? Cause I know some people are like, 
I'll, I'll just relate to like technical metal bands. You know, they're doing all this crazy shit and overdubbing and doing whatever, but that's not going to be reproducible on stage without, you know, some sort of technology. Have you ever come across a, a situation where you just couldn't play a song because it was that way? There was a couple songs that we were trying to practice that we we could not do until we got the stem tracks, like the backing tracks from the producer. Because there's one song in particular, actually two, now that I think about, there's two songs in particular that have a lot of violin and cello in it. And it's like, obviously, when we're playing at a small local bar, we don't have an orchestra You're not behind playing us. with an orchestra, right. Yeah, it's like, so we could either scrap the song entirely or get the stem tracks to them. So now that we have the stem tracks, we can play those songs, but trying to do them there's like entire sections where there's no instrument besides strings so like the guitarists and bassists are just standing there and they're like wait we can't play this song right all right so two more for you um one how did you guys get involved with jeremy i have actually known jeremy for i'd say four years now um i think i added him on facebook just because i liked his work when i was like 18 and i was already modeling for years i had like a lot of modeling experience so he reached out to me once and said he was starting to work on a project which ended up being the daughters of darkness book oh yeah and he messaged me and said like hey how about like you come down and shoot for this book with me and i was like so amazed that he even like messaged me because i was like you're like a celebrity photographer i'm some random 18 year old model from toronto i was like amazed that he even wanted to work with me but he basically like made a trade deal with me he said like because to drive down to massachusetts was like a nine-hour drive for me right but he's like if you come and shoot for my book i'll also take pictures you can use for your band's promo pictures like to put on t-shirts and posters and stuff mm-hmm. so i was like okay that's totally fair like so i went down for like three days and shot the entire time with them and we got along really well we loved working together and stuff so it kind of just became like a yearly routine like every june or july like my parents and i would drive down to the states just because I don't want to drive nine hours by myself right. quite yet. Uh, so they would come with me and they would just like go shopping and go do other stuff like in Boston and stuff while I was there. But so it's like a yearly tradition now, except yeah, last year was the first year we couldn't because of COVID, obviously. Right. But we go down every year and we shoot for like two or three days and just take like as much content as possible. So like for like band pictures, whatever we might need them for and stuff. And then finally, like I was asking them for so much advice and music industry stuff like who should I contact about this where do I get this made how do I contact this like he was the one who told me like I should reach out to Mitchell Marlowe our producer in the first place Mm -hmm. and then like finally the album was done I didn't know what to do with it I was like I have no clue how to self-release an album I don't know what I'm doing and then I was like wait I was like wait a minute you went to school for like music business like he went to like Berkeley College of Music I was like and you're in the industry everyone knows you everyone respects and likes Jeremy like he's such a great guy so I was like, why don't you just be my manager? And he was like stunned that like he didn't even think like neither of us had thought of it. And then my mom was the one who actually said to me, she's like, why don't you just ask Jeremy to be your manager? That's so funny. I asked him and he was like, actually, that's a great idea. Yeah, he's a I great like, guy. I was just curious what the connection was. Yeah, he's awesome. It's like you've been giving me advice and guidance and stuff for the past four years. You might as well just like officially join the Take team. Take over anyway, right. <laughs> So yeah, the, last like, one, <laughs> the last one I have for you is uh, video wise. Are you guys doing all this stuff yourself? I know you said it was a lot of DIY. Are you doing the videos yourself as well? Like the video for escape? Yeah. The lyric videos, actually, I make them all myself. Pretty interesting. Did you have training beforehand? Or are you just kind of learning as you go out of necessity? I've always just like done Photoshop, graphic design, video editing, website building. Like I already had those skills under my belt. I never like went to school or, officially trained in it but like I've always just like naturally been drawn towards like design and stuff so it was actually quite easy for me to just pick up making lyric videos I just like bought this 
software and played around with them within like 12 hours. I was like, all right, there's our video. <laughs> nice. And that's good. You can all do it in-house. So you're very much a, a DIY, sort of like the old school punk days. Yeah, totally. Like I'm the one that like builds our website, designs the merch, designs the CD covers, fulfills all the merch orders. Like anything I can do myself, I'd rather just do myself than hire someone. No, that's great. Especially nowadays when it's tough to make a living doing it. So yeah, totally. Like I just, I love doing everything myself. Like I love it being super hands-on. Uh, that's great. I just, sometimes you don't have the time to do it. And I guess I, you know, yeah. you just do what you got to do. Um, if, yeah. You know, you said you're a pretty active social media wise if fans want to find you can you drop your links for us yeah so on instagram we are living dead girl official and on facebook we are living dead girl band we also have our official website livingdeadgirl.ca where there's pictures videos merchandise anything that you might want to know about living dead girls all on that website there and then my personals it's just molly rennick on everything awesome did i miss anything that we need to talk about i think we covered it i think we just about covered it good hope that wasn't too bad no, that was fun. Hey, thank you for taking the time, Molly. Thank you for having me. Be well. Stay safe. You as well. All right. Bye. Thank you. Hey, this is Chris Swinney, formerly of the Ataris and currently host of That One Time on Tour, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Have you ever wondered what it's really like on the road? The highs can be euphoric, but the lows can be crushing. Join me every week as I chat with industry pros about what it's like living out their wildest dream and, in some cases, their worst nightmare. Past guests of the show include members of NoFX, Pennywise, Bad Religion, and more. Listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com.